What is up, fine, fine people? I'm thinking, Cooper, that when we... You, you were saying something the other day about making a new... Coming up with a new intro song, just kind of for the fun of it. And one thing we need to do is figure out how to... Um, I guess it would work with this intro song as well. If we could just figure out a way to uh, play it in such a way that it doesn't end before we start talking. Because... There's like this thing where like by the end of the song, I'm like, let's go. And then it ends and it's just like, Ugh! oh, shit, I have to say something. So like if we could talk over the last like 20 seconds of it as it faded out, that would be that would be that would be awesome. Um, now, that's probably actually that's actually something that would be a lot easier to figure out with uh, once we stop using restream here. One of one of our listeners absolute. I, I, I adore you guys. One of the guys reached out to me and he said, he said, yo, your, uh, your, your, your audio, yours and Cooper's audio is like, is like, uh, um, way off. Like you're way quieter than he is. And, uh, he showed me the actual, like, I, I don't, I don't understand any of this shit works. He showed me the little thing of like the, the, um, the visual, uh, of the audio. I can't, I don't know what it's called the track and, um, very clearly. Yeah. I'm much more quiet than he is. I don't know why this is. I'm not sure. It's something with Restream. All they give me is a little percentage arrow percentage bar that I can pull up and down. So we started off today with it pulled up. Um, if this helps the audio issue, great. That's an easy solution, um, and we'll roll with that. If not, then we're going to switch over to OBS, which I've got a little bit of experience with, but it's going to be a learning curve getting back into it. So if we decide we have to go that direction, just bear with us. Apologies if there's weird hiccups or anything like that. Um, hopefully the audio is better today and, uh, I didn't realize I was that much quieter than, than Cooper, um, which honestly, I'm kind of surprised you guys have just tolerated that. Like you've only mentioned it a couple of times, but it's that far off. Um, so I'm going to sit a little closer to the mic here today. I started off with it higher. Um, hopefully this fix it, fixes it. So let us know how the audio sounds. Um, apologies for how bad it sounded before, but testing, uh, testing. Hello. Hello. How are we doing? You seem like you're sitting further away than you usually do, too. So, am I? Yeah, well, no, yeah, this is coming. about where I'm at. I didn't move okay, that. You're coming, you're coming loud and clear in for me. So, um, testing, testing. Hello. Sounds yeah. Okay, sounds, sounds fine. fine. Okay, good. All right. Trey Daniel says the song isn't bad, but it would also be cool to have some B-roll in the intro. Yeah, that would be cool. It would be cool to have some B-roll in the intro. Um, I have no idea how to add B-roll to the intro. I know that I could figure out how to add B-roll to the intro and do all that, but. Um, I have no, uh, yeah, we'll get to that project when we get to that. We've got a lot of stuff going on. Okay. Uh, according to Mr. Johnson, I am, I am louder, definitely louder. And especially when I get excited and get all close to my mic. So right. here, I'll just turn down my gain a bit. I turned mine up a little. How about that people? Better, noticeably worse? higher. Okay. Where are we at? How are we doing? All right. Better, so better? let's talk. Yeah, how do we check, sound check, compared check, to each check, other? Check. Do I need to turn down the game more? Let's just do this now. Let's do it once. Right. Get it over with. Just get it over with. Yeah. And then just preserve whatever settings we have. Better. Better. Okay. Good. Okay. Let me see hello, what hello. percentage I'm on right now. I'm on 131. So I have to put, turn it up to 131. Whatever that means. This number means nothing to me. It's just higher than 100. So I assume it means louder. I just... Okay, so... I put my game dial at about nine, 10 o'clock. Okay, okay. I'll remember that 10 o'clock. So when I get all excited and get close to my mic, is it now blowing your speakers guys? 
Yeah, I would rather us be too loud. Like if we're, you know, because we're going to get excited. I'd rather us be too loud. If we get quiet, you can turn us up. That's easy. But you can, like, you only hit a certain point, And then, you know, if you're too loud, then it's like, ah. So, um, he's, Buck says, tells Cooper, don't try to deep throat the mic. Yeah, Cooper. Don't tell me on. what to do. <laughs> well, he is your dad after all. He was uh, an absent father. <laughs> There's a lot of resentment. He was he was off dating Tommy's wife, is is what I've heard. Um, he was he was stealing her from me. Apparently, this is what I've been in, how I've been informed. So he's that uh, guy. Five minutes in, six minutes in. Welcome, guys. This is King Pilled. Um, that's Cooper. This is Matt. Um, we're uh, the numbers are kind of starting to pick up again here. So we're getting new people coming in. So I figure I should probably we're not just preaching to the choir all the time anymore. So we got to kind of go through the go through the housekeeping stuff um more often so um if this is your first time watching welcome thank you um we've got a pretty unique perspective i think on a lot of this stuff that we've been talking about and we've got a lot of plans we're working on a bunch of stuff behind the scenes developing a network um uh, coming up with some ideas and it's taking us time because all of us who are doing this are all busy like we don't just we're all doing this as a, as a side project um so it just takes time to get a lot of this stuff done, but uh, I think you guys are really going to like where this is going and some of the opportunities that are ahead of us, opportunities for you guys to get involved. Um, and because we're, we're really, we have visions to really build something and we want to, we don't just want to, we need to build it with you guys. We need your guys' help to make this sort of thing, the, to make happen the sorts of plans that we want to make happen. Um, so uh, <clears throat> if this is your first time, welcome. Uh, hopefully you stay. Uh, throw us a like, subscribe to the channel, do all that sort of stuff. You can get us on, uh, I think we're streaming on Facebook and Twitter today. I don't remember. I'm working on trying to get us set up on Rumble. Again, these are things that they'll happen if they happen. Um, it'd be nice. Apparently, people are picking up audiences on Rumble now. So, you know, maybe there's a, it's definitely going to select for the right type of audience, the right type of people we want to talk to. Um, but uh, anyways, so welcome. Thank you. Uh, today, we've got several different things to get to. The first thing that I want to bring to your guys' attention real quick is good friend of the show, Jason from 2-Bit Podcast. He and I uh, recorded an episode. We're going to begin another series here doing a live reading of uh, Mencius Moldbug's patchwork. This is something that, that we actually did on the channel a couple of years ago, but I was in a very different frame of mind at that time. And now... Uh, coming back and looking at it, particularly given some of the developments we're seeing around the world and politics and economics and everything, then uh, it, it's becoming much more relevant, um, especially for a couple particular region, reasons. Those pertain to the project that uh, one of the projects that I'm referring to. Uh, we're going to keep it keep it kind of under wraps for right now as, as we're working on it. Um, we're working on it primarily in the King Pilled Supporting Listeners Group. The voice chat is is popping there. It's almost like it's like I don't know four or five nights a week now. We're we're in there for a few hours discussing all this sort of stuff and starting to build some real tangible plans beyond just theory selling. And uh, so, if you want to get involved, if you want to know what's going on, you can go over and join subscribestar.com/kingpilled. Um, just join the Discord, hop in there. We'll start doing voice chats, and um, you can jump on in, contribute, listen, do whatever you'd like. Uh, we'd love to have you. Uh, and that's where we're going to be building out at least one of these projects here going forward. So uh, what's up, Slowboy Whiteboard? Slowboy Whiteboard is in the Kingpilled voice chat. Or not? The, she, she doesn't really show up in the voice chat all that often, but she's there in the group. She's one of our, um, she's keeping the meme thread popping. Uh, we, we very much appreciate the memes. 
Um, but uh, so I did this conversation here with Jason uh, and we're, we're beginning, we're kind of using the patchwork series as a way to really flesh out and um, dial in this idea about building civilizational capital or civilization as a startup. Basically the premise that we uh, don't live in a civilization right now and it's up to us to build that civilization. And we just so happen to have very good civilizational building tools at our disposal. It's just a matter of both learning how to use them and then um, learning what to use them toward, what, what direction to go with them. So um, uh, that's one of the things we're beginning to touch on in this series. It's not available on the 2-Bit podcast, podcast feed or YouTube channel. Jason is putting these on his Substack. So go subscribe to his Substack. It's 2-BitPodcast.Substack.com. That's the number 2-B-I-T-Podcast.Substack.com. Um, go give him a subscription over there and uh, and you can uh, listen to this episode here. We have a video there. You can watch it as well. Um, and then uh, and then he says he's going to be doing some writing uh, on the on the Substack now, starting to flesh out some of these ideas, the vengeful sun idea, the um, civilization, uh, civilizational capital idea. These are all um, going to be, is there a link for the subscribe star? Yeah, it's at the bottom of the screen. Use your eyes. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh yeah, it is. I forgot it's up there. <laughs> yeah, subscribestar.com slash kingpilled. Um, I think, I wonder if I can just, if I type this in here, I don't remember if links are clickable in uh, I do not YouTube think they chat, are. But, there it is if it is clickable um that'll get you to the uh the subscribe star we'll be coming up we're we're going to be rolling out the website here soon and uh and then with that we're going to have a new membership structure um and it's going to give a little more information about what we're actually working on building and so if you subscribe now before we roll that out then um just subscribe wherever you want and we're going to automatically grandfather you in um, with access to everything, essentially, in the in the new one. Um, you'll just get grandfathered in at the top tier. And uh, yeah, so just subscribe however you want on subscribestar.com slash kingfield right now, and uh, you'll be good going forward. So that is the first thing. The second thing here is, this is more of just kind of a for fun sort of a thing. Yeah, yeah I like fun. Uh, Bob Murphy is going to be hosting uh, Owen Benjamin on his podcast for a conversation about Owen Benjamin's concerns with anarcho-capitalism. This is, uh, I just, I don't know. Uh, 2024 is providing us some, some very interesting content. And Owen Benjamin and Bob Murphy having a conversation about economics was not something that I had on my bingo card for this year. I don't know if I'll actually listen to it or watch it, but because I've got quite a few things on the docket right now. But if I happen to be looking for some light listening, then that might be kind of entertaining. What do you think? Uh, I guess it depends what uh, you got nothing better to do. <laughs> I mean, entertainment, entertainment doesn't necessarily have to be highbrow. Yeah, I'm blocked by uh Oh, so is Buck. Yeah, I'm blocked by Owen, so I don't I don't know what he's up to these days. I don't know what I have to do to get blocked by people. I took a shot at, at James Lindsay today to see if he would block me. We'll see. Mm. I think he blocked me as well. <clears throat> Which is weird. I've got like I've got like three hundred followers or something. I've got like a tiny account. 
<laughs> and you don't even say anything. I don't even like I, I say something like once a year. <laughs> Just retweet stuff and like stuff. <laughs> Kate said, not familiar with Bob Murphy. Is he a center left bread tuber? <laughs> well, um, no, he's not a bread tuber. He is a ANCAP. Uh, he's an ANCAP uh economist. Like he's a legitimate like an like an economist by trade. And uh, and he's an ANCAP. He's a very nice guy. Met him a few times, hung out with him. He's a very he's he's very kind person, very sincere, very authentic. Um, and uh, obviously, we don't really see eye to eye on a lot of things anymore. But I appreciated him um, when I got to spend some time with him. And he's kind of the best smart. of your. He's like the best of your libertarians. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, he's the one who did the podcast Contra Krugman with Tom Woods back in the day. Which used to be appointment listening for me. That's it's kind of weird to think about that now. It's almost a little embarrassing to admit, kind of. Um, but I mean, I guess we all got to start somewhere, and that was my uh, that was my vehicle for really learning a lot of what I know today about geopolitics and and finance and that sort of thing, um, in an actual like current state level of things. Now, once I once I started seeing things that way, then other stuff came in. And so then I realized, okay, well, my initial impression of things was like, we all get taught a perspective. You all start with a perspective because that's, it's not possible to, if you're going to learn something, you're naturally learning someone's perspective. But then it's like, once you learn that, then you start applying it and seeing what sort of results you get. And well, if the results aren't <clears throat> matching up with what you're seeing, with, with, if the results aren't matching up with the premises, then maybe you need to upgrade the operating system. Apparently, Colin Rock is the uh, the one responsible for the Owen Jim Bob fiasco that we got wrapped up. Oh, you're up the in for one we blame. Yeah. Ah, Colin Rock was the one who was just asking to get in the Discord. So if he winds up in there, then we need to like mass bully him. We've got to yeah. haze him. Haze him for putting us through that. <laughs> that was our one foray into uh, internet theology discourse. <laughs> yeah. um, right. We dipped our toe in and jumped right out real quick. Yeah, we're uh, we're good. <laughs> Kate says Daily Wire was her first avenue, so we have to start somewhere. Right, right. Yeah, That's yeah. Just... Louder with Crowder, Daily Wire. That was my. Uh -huh. What is your path? Uh, what was your path of like red pilling? Um, let's see. Take us back to the beginning and walk us through. So, uh, I grew up like kind of generic sort of like uh idealistic neocon kind of like yeah, the, the yeah. just sort of mainstream conservative for the 90s and 2000s and then <clears throat> yeah. um i don't remember exactly oh uh ron paul got on my radar through my dad who uh was like a subscriber to gary north and um so there's already there was kind of i, I was coming at libertarianism very much from the quote-unquote right-wing angle of it and then in college, I got real wrapped up about the student loan thing because I realized how much of it, how much of it was a racket. And so I was like, "Hey, this this Bernie guy, I you know I like what he's saying. I like what he's talking about Elizabeth Warren. Both of them, I was like, oh, these people are saying stuff that that appeals to me. And it was kind of like the first time that I actually felt like I could really personally identify. It felt like the first time my government was identifying with me rather than me identifying with my government. And so I was like, well, this stuff seems to seems to overlap. This idea seems to overlap really well with the the libertarian principles that I've been learning about. So I went to go make the libertarian case for a UBI. And, you know, you can probably imagine how that worked out. 
so that sent me to Tom Woods. Tom Woods sent me to Jason Stapleton um, and Dave Smith. And then Dave Smith sent me to Michael Malice. Um, then Jordan Peterson became a thing right around then, which got me um, thinking more on the spiritual, which kind of got me more connected to the sort of alt-right, I guess. And then it was in the part of the problem group, Dave Smith's Facebook group back in the day, that I encountered a guy who introduced me to Moldbug. And then from there, it was like just slid straight down the hill. <laughs> so I guess I made a stop off with, with Crowder um, at some point kind of in there. This, was, this would have been like 2015, maybe 2014, something like that. When did you start getting more? Uh, I was going to say, when did you start getting into politics and it made me feel really gay? But like, when did you start, start thinking about these kinds of things? Um, kind of grew up basic, just boomer con, you know? Yeah. Early 2000 kind of neocon, you know, Bush Romney kind of stuff. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Then in high school, back in my punk rocker days, back when I used to be cool. Um, I kind of dipped my toe into like radical left-wing politics for a little while for like half a year. And then I realized that was kind of, kind of gay. Um, so I started coming back around towards the end of high school to just kind of conservatism. And that's kind of when I was like, uh, <clears throat> listening to Crowder and Daily Wire and stuff. And then I knew about Gavin because I knew about Vice because punk rock. Um, so I started getting into Gavin, um, Gavin introduced me to Michael Malice, Michael Malice. And at this, at, at this point I was already kind of like moving more in a libertarian ish direction, just trying to, cause conservatism, trying to follow these things out to their logical conclusion and be more consistent. Um, found myself heading in a libertarian direction. Michael Malice was the first person who I think it was on his first or second appearance on Dave Rubin when he made the case against democracy. That's what really red pilled me. And I was like, instantly I jumped from like eh, conservative libertarian ish to like anarchist overnight. Mm -hmm. um, spent maybe 10 months, just under a year there. Um, and through Michael Malice, I had heard of mold bug. So I had read a little bit of Moldbug, and then right about then, I was kind of getting fed up with libertarianism. Mm -hmm. um, I was listening to Dave Smith and people like that at the time. I was getting fed up with that. Um, and then I heard you on Pete's show, the first time you went on Pete's show. And I was like, yay, this guy is saying everything I'm thinking. And that's when I started spamming your chat and jumped into your Discord, and here we are. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm a theocratic fascist or whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Many such cases. Yeah, uh, it's kind of funny. Uh, Malice's book, uh, "The New Right," uh -huh. was really, really formative for me. Uh, I remember encountering Jim Goad from that book and listening to some of his stuff and being really impacted by kind of the visceral, like his visceralness. Um, Jim Goad, yeah, 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 yeah. Have you ever read any so, of the uh, the Answer Me zines? No, mm -mm. I never really got into the zine culture. Okay, 
Jim Goad kind of he he really that'd be a good one for uh, a two bit podcast for your vengeful son meme. Jim Goad is like there's a lot of vengeful son energy <laughs> in that. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyways, okay. So I had the Bob Murphy is going to be talking to Owen Benjamin. Uh, this is Mark Claire. Shout out Mark Claire. He said, "Well, this is a podcast combo I did not expect in 2024." Move over Epstein client list and Miami Nephilim. There's a new must-watch situation unfolding. So shout out Mark Claire. Um, so for the, the title of the show here today, uh, let him enforce it, the Texas border situation. This is obviously a um, referencing the, the existing uh, border situation. I don't know if you guys are aware of it. I'm sure everybody who would be listening to us is aware that obviously there's a completely open, unchecked border and uh, – millions and millions of people pouring in the southern border and texas kind of just has said they had enough and so they they actually brought in the texas national guard and kicked out the feds and actually i think i pulled up a oh yeah here's just as a kind of a timeline for what happened um just to make sure everybody's completely up to speed because i don't really know to what extent you guys are like like my milieu is largely is people who spend a lot of time on Twitter. And so we're kind of constantly tapped into all the ongoing narratives and keeping there's like a stream of different narratives and stuff that we're aware of. And but I don't know everyone who's listening. I don't know how much you guys are completely tuned into this sort of thing. So if that if I'm just going over stuff that you're already aware, let me know. And um, then we can just jump straight to that. We don't have to go through the basics. But um in uh, so uh, in recent weeks, Shelby Park and Eagle Pass has become the center of a standoff between Texas and the federal government over immigration enforcement. Most recently, Governor Greg Abbott has ramped up border enforcement around the 47-acre park by surrounding the perimeter by razor wire and limiting access to the city park. And a spokesman for Abbott said the Biden administration has repeatedly cut wire that Texas installed to stop illegal crossings, opening the floodgates to illegal immigrants. The absence of razor wire and other deterrent strategies encourages migrants to make unsafe and illegal crossings between ports of entry while making the job of the Texas National Guard soldiers and DPS troops more dangerous and difficult. Um, so since 2021, Abbott's Operation Lone Star Initiative has created tension between the state and federal government. Under the operation, Abbott has deployed state troopers across the 1,200-mile Texas-Mexico border, ordered state police to arrest migrants who are t- suspected of trespassing, Spent $11 million to install 70 rolls of concertina wire along the Rio 70, Grande. 70,000. What did I say? 70. Oh, 70,000, yeah. Uh, and spent $1.5 billion on about a dozen miles of border walls. Um, as migrants have attempted to get through the, the wire, Border Patrol has cut through parts of the barrier to assist injured people. Attorney General Ken Paxton filed a lawsuit against DHS claiming federal agents had illegally destroyed state property. Uh, a U.S. district court based in Del Rio sided with the federal government, ruling that Border Patrol agents didn't violate any laws by cutting the wire. Paxton's office appealed, and a panel of judges from the Fifth Circuit paused the ruling until the case went through the appeals process. On January 12, National Guard members blocked federal border agents from accessing the Rio Grande after three migrants drowned while crossing the river, and two others were still struggling into the water, according to a court filing by the U.S. DOJ. Um, the state is denying the federal agency's version of events and arguing that Mexican officials had the situation under control. On Monday, the Supreme Court vacated the Fifth Circuit's order after the Biden administration sent a cease and desist letter to Paxton for blocking federal access to the border. Chief Justice John Roberts and Justice Amy Coney Barrett joined the court's three liberal justices in Wait a issuing minute. the Hold order. On. <clears throat> 1.5 billion? 
for 12 mm-hmm. miles of border wall and there's 1200 yeah what <laughs> yeah that's uh i don't know if part of this has to do with um a, a state level agency not being able to uh basically get the same deal or um you know having having prices artificially jacked on them to make it more difficult i'm not sure exactly why it's costing that much I know the plan for the border wall that Trump had was talking about was something like $20 billion. Yeah. 20 billion, Maybe 50 billion, somewhere in there. 20 to like, if you do that math, what is that? 12, 1200, hundred, and fifty billion. Yeah. Yeah. So why? I don't know if that's the difference. I don't know if that's the difference between a governor building a wall and a president building a wall. The governor, like, is there like laser beams and stuff on this wall? <laughs> Why does it cost so much? Right, right. <laughs> Someone's um, laundering their pension. I mean, I mean, yeah. Like, part of it is this is it was funny. Speaking of of Bob Murphy, like when the government does stuff, they don't do it cheap. This is part <laughs> yeah, of this no is kidding. like one of the one of the, the 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 fundamental issues with our present form of government, and it just you know. We're the ones who pay the price of it. Not to get, not to get, not to go full full blown ANCAP, but um, I think you don't have to be an ANCAP to recognize that the existing form of government isn't sustainable, and we can't we we can't tolerate it. That's just that's just how it is. And the and the question is whether it's going to um, burn itself out in a gigantic uh, blaze of fire that consumes all of us, or if uh, enough people are going to do enough things in the right ways at the right times to basically just make it end in a whimper. Um, we should get into just the kind f- of a quick cry. <laughs> we should get into the fence building business. Yeah. Land <laughs> one of these government contracts and just yeah. 200 billion. What do you think? Sure. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know what I would, you know, it would be even better is becoming a, um, someone who could, who could uh, uh, negotiate those contracts. And take a take like a brokerage fee, so like broker those those types of contracts, because then uh, um, you know then you don't have to worry about being the guy who's building fences and stuff. You just you know you make your bag and then go on to the next project. <clears throat> Column Rock says the steel is made in Midlothian, Texas. So that number doesn't make sense. Someone is scooping cream off the top. Yeah, uh, no yeah, doubt. definitely. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and good for them, you uh, know. I don't blame them. Hmm. So this particular situation is just to give you for people who haven't seen it, seen what it looks like. Again, I don't know how much you guys are actually closely following this, but uh, Supreme Court has ruled 5-4 that Border Patrol agents are allowed to remove razor wire installed by Texas. And basically the premise, as, as I understand it, the premise of the, of the ruling is that um, the federal government has it's within the federal government's mandate to determine what happens on the federal government's borders, not the state. The state can't overrule the federal government with respect to the to borders that form the actual border of the um, United States of America. Which, I mean, sure, okay, like there's that's there's a legitimate conversation to be had there, but it's very clear that one of these institutions by um, them being permitted to control that 
is going to have vastly worse content uh, consequences than the other. So if you have like this is this is this is what the federal government's doing. So they're there's a border wall there, and they're literally just raised so this razor wire that's there, and they're literally lifting it up with a forklift to let them in. I mean, I, like, if I went to a border wall and began, like, cutting holes in it and, like, brought out a big piece of machinery and lifted the wall up and just let people come through, I, like, this... I would be the worst person in the country. I would be universally despised. And I would get every sing- I would get I wouldn't just get the book thrown at me. I would get every book thrown at me. I would no longer be able to function as a human being in society. But maybe not anymore. Maybe you'd be applauded these days. Well, and see that's the thing is I don't think that this is this here is like universally despised. Radical libs see this and they're like i'm not interested in that you know if you're like a, if you're like a chick who lives in you're some young college chick or whatever who's single and lives in a big city and you're having to step over people shit in the street when you get off work you don't like the, the thought of these sorts of people flooding <laughs> into your streets this is this is gonna this sort of policy being executed for i think it's been something like eight i think it was eight million people who came in last year? Jesus, dude. If, there, if, there, if it was more or less, let that's me know. a lot of people. Yeah. It's something like 20,000 people a day. Jeez. Yeah. This is <laughs> like, you know, everybody's talking about how great Texas is and you got to move to Texas. I don't know, man. There is, <laughs> I'm up in Michigan. There isn't people flooding across the northern border. Yeah, no kidding. Because <laughs> it was just like nothing different. <laughs> There's, I don't have to worry about that. There's a uh, um, an interesting. Uh, what was I going to say here? Um, so you got this dynamic. You got the uh, the people flooding across the border. Um, oh, so so eight eight million people who are being flooded across, and what the what I think it was Abbott did was started bussing them to New York and dropping them off in like Manhattan they're coming in he's like all right so it's probably gonna cheaper take, to do bring that them all in and 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 I think they're even flying them up there there's people seeing there's like and the federal government's doing this as well the federal government is flying them out to all sorts of different places and just stashing them all across the country and so so Abbott was like all right well what we're gonna do is we're gonna take them and put them literally in your lap here you go enjoy them and that was one of the things that Jamie Dimon said the other day. So I think we mentioned this in the last episode that Jamie Dimon uh, at Davos, the, this is the, the CEO and maybe chairman of the board. I don't remember, just at least CEO of JP Morgan said Trump was right about NATO. Trump was right about immigration and Trump was right about the economy. And then I don't know if it was in the same interview or further on in that interview, he said the something to the effect of with all these people coming across the border, like we're not going to have a nation very soon. And he said, he said, almost, I quote, all of my super liberal friends are seeing this happen and they're not happy about it. He specifically said it's his super liberal friends who are upset about this. So, and obviously there's a lot of reasons for that. There's a lot of reasons for low income people to dislike what's happening. There's a lot of reason for high income people to dislike what's happening. 
But this is one of the most like universally despised practices happening currently by the Biden administration. There's probably no single issue that has a greater base of support than the idea that we shouldn't have 8 million people a year streaming across our southern border. <laughs> like 8 million people. That's like the, that's, I think that's something like, that's like 15 or 16 uh, Wyoming's. It's like, uh, I'm trying to think of a city that's about that size. I think, I think Houston might be close to that size. It's a, it's a, an, a staggering number of people. Ugh. Um, Random username says Abbott busing was more effective than the wall. Send a million. He's only sent a few hundred and the blue cities are looking for fainting couches. Yeah. Just keep doing it. <laughs> now what's, uh, there's a couple interesting background issues that, that are at play here. And um, random username told me when I saw that this had happened, I said, okay, so this is, this is an Andrew Jackson moment. The, like the, the court has made his, the chief justice has made his ruling. Now let him enforce it. Like, this is the proper approach for Texas to take. Okay. Yeah, they said that that uh, the federal government has the right to do this. Okay. That's nice. Come, come, come enforce it. Because they would win. Texas would win that stare down. There isn't nearly enough energy and support behind the current administration for them to actually win a fight like that. Universally, the Biden administration is seen as weak, incompetent, and without support. And so increasingly, as we get closer and closer to the election, they're not going to be, there's going to be no will, whether popular or institutional, but especially institutional, there's going to be no will for that sort of fight to be won by the Biden administration right before a transition of power, either to another president who actually isn't an incompetent, doddering, feeble old man, or the other party. Just really want to hand Trump a win, don't they? Right. I mean, even now, like the old money, the old money, like absolute central core of the regime people are publicly coming out and counter signaling the Biden administration hard. They're saying stuff that, that Tucker Carlson would have been lambasted for six months ago. They're, they're, they're talking about like immigration being a really big problem, the economy being in, in terrible shape. This is all just like direct counter signaling of the Biden administration and their, their lackeys. Another reason why libertarianism is stupid. Uh -huh. Open borders, come on. Yeah, no come kidding. on. So a, a, another related issue here is, oh, what I was going to say with that was, um, so with Ken Paxton, the attorney general here in Texas, he's basically, um, he's, he's like the real power in the room. He and not that, not that Abbott is entirely a patsy, but he is the, he's the, he's the energy in the room. I, I tweeted something the other day that, that random username took issue with, but um, I said there's, there's, there, there's like some profound significance to the fact that 
a guy in a wheelchair is known for his ability to be pushed around. That just I, I feel like I feel like we need to appreciate the significance of this. But um, he uh, Paxton just survived an impeachment attempt because a lot of the Texas uh, Republican leadership is cucked and Ken Paxton is not at least not nearly as much as they are. He was the guy who um, he's the Texas attorney general. He was the guy who filed the, um, the case um, in early 2021. Was it 2020 or 2021? Um, the, The case that Texas filed with the Supreme court regarding the election. That uh, he was the one who came out and did that. He was on Tucker Carlson recently too, talking about the immigration issue. Um, there's it's an episode you guys can go go listen to. I'd recommend. Um, so he's Paxton is very much one of the kind of he's like the the true America first guys. He, like you know how there's the guys who are America first, but they're they're like America first in name only, and they 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 come out and they they do all the rhetoric and then they cock immediately. Um, but then you have the guys who are actually like legitimately America first and Paxton is, is very much of the latter category. Um, so there's, when I saw this happen, I said, it's too early. There's too many variables in here to predict exactly how this is going to go. My expectation is I think Ken Paxton's going to give the, the white house, the double birds. Um, now that doesn't mean that that's the best or only way forward. Because we've we talked before about how we have this this intuition that the PayPal mafia people, the tech bros, the rising counter elite, we've talked about that they are they wanted Biden elected to both to take down the temperature in the room and to uh, basically allow them more time to build while also allowing public sentiment to turn not just against Trump but turn against the regime itself. Blue North Wind says they're practically all Ninja Turtle supporters too, sadly. You know, it didn't even occur to me to start referring to them as Ninja Turtles. I can't believe I haven't thought of that. I know. <laughs> That's brilliant. I saw the memes, but it didn't even click that you should start. Yeah. That should be the euphemism. That's great. Thank you, Blue oh. North Wind. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, uh, so you've got these, uh, sort of mounting competing interests here. And it's possible that if you know, let me see, how, how, how'd you game this out? So two different ways. One, Ken Paxton gives the feds the bird and they continue doing what they're doing and call their bluff, basically force them to step in. Or you just kind of play dead. And you say, oh, okay, and you roll over, knowing how profoundly unpopular this is, particularly amongst the institutional power people. If you can get no, call them their bluff, to man. lose faith even more in the Biden administration, then you can get an even more full-throated support of Trump because they're going to yeah, have to start counter-signaling Biden even more. Make make the feds come in and tear down the deterrence and open up the border to let all the illegals in. That'll be great for optics, you know? Yes. And well, that's the thing. That's the thing. It's win-win either way. Right, right. Force them. Yeah. You can can win by 
giving them the bird and and trying to 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 induce them into projecting power. You'll get more popular support doing that. Or right, yeah. But increasingly popular support is mattering less and less. Yeah. The institutional support is what matters. So if you want to get guys like Jamie Dimon and Steven Schwartzman and even like Boris Johnson, if you can get these if you want to get these types of guys feeling more and more incentive to throw their support behind Trump, then you kind of it's it's a for like a 40 chess move where you're like, okay, ah, uh, look at that. Look how powerful and out of control the Biden administration is. They're losing their minds. Hey, we can't we can't tolerate this. Did Looks DeSantis, like you need to donate money to Trump. <laughs> did DeSantis officially uh didn't he officially end his campaign? He did. Yep. What are all the uh the DeSantis simps? How are they reacting? They're, they're all Screeching. about uh they're oh yeah they're, well they're some of them are yeah like like bill mitchell was losing his absolute gourd um <laughs> uh what's his Dude, name the read the, the room like, how do you not <laughs> how can you be a true believer on desantis uh-huh. come on well, that's the great and thing these about people these guys. we do not live in the same reality Right. And the, what these guys are doing is just revealing their own impotence. They're, they're, yeah. they're just advertising that they are completely detached from reality. They're, and <laughs> yeah. they, it's not that they're not allies. It's that they're not even capable of being allies because they're like, they're like walking around with VR goggles, watching some sort of fake reality. And they're just like bonking <laughs> into trees and stumbling into ditches. And like, we don't need to let them just keep humiliating themselves. Pile on every once in a while. Just walking into people's houses. Right. Getting shot, you know. (laughs) Yeah, getting shot. Getting chainsawed. (laughs) Thrown in the wood chipper. Walking the wrong part of town. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Getting gutted. Um, Bill Mitchell is demanding DeSantis for VP or they vote for JFK. Vote for JFK? RF? JFK. Oh yeah, he must mean RFK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He must mean RFK. Um. So. So yeah. So the. You've got the issue with Ken Paxton. You've got the issue with um, Jamie Dimon. Those are the two thoughts that I had in particular about this. So we're going to kind of circle back to this issue here in a minute, but there's a couple other stories I want to touch on first. The next one is this here yeah crocodile pits that's what we need <laughs> oh i did i think we a got a, a, a we had a super chat 1200 mile moat i just want to make sure we get this super like chat. punji sticks in the bottom yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh da, 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 da. okay yeah marshall forward what's up buddy good to see you man he gave us a 499 super chat very much appreciate that thanks dude Give more next okay. time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, we got bills to pay. <laughs> yeah, make that four ninety nine like proper. Yeah, right. <laughs> How do you know if you can give a? a yeah, you. Probably, I think you can give a super chat that big. Someone test the upper limits of the super chat feature. Yeah, do us a favor. The biggest one you can do. Try like uh, I don't know, ten grand. That might piss <laughs> off some feds or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it would be capped above that because wouldn't that be just the, oh, this is actually, I don't know if I want to say that out loud. That might be actionable. I'm not sure. Um, 
I'll just say this way. I'm not going to say anybody's names in particular, but oh, if you watch, apparently is the cap. Five hundred. Oh, okay. If you watch the uh, the live chat <laughs> on some of these shows, <laughs> two dollars from random user name says H1B visas for Viet- to Viet Cong to build traps. Yeah, <laughs> deploy them at the southern border. Get them to work. Uh, <laughs> um. Uh, Blue North Wind said, years ago, Christine Hall had a show about ACB and went through her prior judicial opinions of lower courts and dissertations and found ACB wasn't as she seemed. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, like, and I, nobody should be surprised that the WASPy, I think she might be a, a, a Catholic, I don't remember, but you know, personality, WASPy, uh, adoptive mother of black kids is, and woman is ruling that infinite elite should or infinite illegals uh, Freudian slip infinite illegals should be should be just allowed to just settle our country for us I, it shouldn't be a surprise at all that the that that woman ruled in that particular way um the oh interesting random username said i think youtube uh recommends streams that have more super chats and memberships that's how youtube makes money too did you hear that did you hear that guys yeah you hear that guys he's it's a get to it the ones who said it we we didn't we say don't, it. <laughs> our hands are tied. We don't make the rules here. Right, right. We're just we're just playing by the rules of the platform. We're obligated to be honest and full disclosure to you that uh, um, the more super never... chats and memberships that you give us, that you 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 uh, the more money you put in our coffers, the more people will get to see us. <clears throat> we win both. We don't. Ways. We've never lied to you. We've never, you know, m- messed around. We're transparent, honest. We're the no the no spin zone. That's us. Mm-hmm. Now I completely forgot what we were talking about before we started talking about that. I was going to make neither. some side point about something. I don't know. I feel like it was important, but I don't remember. Just kidding. I lied to you guys a lot. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like any time he says he had a good day. Yeah. Um. All right. So, Highland Rim Project. <sighs> this is <Rim>. from. <laughs> This is project rim project rim job. <laughs> so this is a, a project of new founding, which are uh, I, I'm a big fan of these guys. I've been following them for a while. Um, so sorry guys for calling your thing project rim job, but we think it's really cool. <laughs> Why'd you call your thing project rim job? <laughs> so these guys, uh, this is their homepage: build the America you want to live in, a venture firm for American vitality. We build and back companies defined by American ideals and a positive national vision. We explicitly oppose DEI, ESG, and the bureaucratization of American business culture. And we promote a culture of entrepreneurship and excellence, betting on great companies, products, and customers disfavored by corrosive ideologies. So basically, this is a commercial for these guys. And we're not getting paid by them. I've never talked to them. I have no association with them. But um, I think this is really cool. They have a, um, if you click the join the talent network, they actually have a job board in here, which is hiring for companies who are ideologically aligned this is these are all basically going to be right-wing uh culture sensitive uh uh, ideologically aligned companies and they've got a a a good and growing job board so when i was maybe eight months or so ago i was looking at getting a job in tech um like a like tech sales and so i joined their job board and was scrolling through some of them and there's some really interesting companies on there some of the companies are they're anonymous they're because they're working on 
you know, projects that they're not going to give you all the details, but they're just going to give you an overview. If you're interested, you can contact them and learn, learn more about it. This is one of like, these are our guys. This is what we need to be doing, creating these kinds of networks and focusing on developing economic capital and social capital at the same time, because this is what transforms into political capital or can be transformed into political capital. If you have sufficient social capital and sufficient economic capital, you can't help but have political capital. So these are the guys that are actually building something, putting their money where their mouth is, using the, the, the magics of modern technology to start actually building something. So they have a very specific thing, their rim job. Uh, this is a real estate project developing aligned communities in Appalachia. It's gonna be great. Like after we do this, like I've been excited to tell people about this and talk about it and everything. And one of their guys like listens to it and gets mad because we kept calling it the rim job. <clears throat> and then they like, don't want anything to do with us. That would suck. I would they be believe that no person is illegal. Uh, no, I very much do not think that, that, that they, they, they do believe that. No. Yeah. So they say uh, we're developing rural well, guys. You should have come up with a different title. Like you should have had a different name. <laughs> you should have known I better. The, I think the place, like the, the the geographical location where they're building, might be called the Highland Rim. So they they may not have had a had a choice in the matter. I don't know. Oh <clears throat> uh, yeah, right here it says we're developing rural towns and communities nestled in the bucolic hills of the eastern Highland Rim area of Tennessee and Kentucky. In partnership with business owners, pastors, and other community leaders, we're investing to build thick communities that are conducive to a natural, human, and uniquely American way of life. The communities are going to be thick. If you're interested <laughs> in moving to such a community, please fill out the resident it like list below. Project-based or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Project-based. That definitely would have, would have been a, <laughs> uh, a, a real winner. <laughs> please give us a political consultant's fee. Yeah, project based is way better than project rim job. <laughs> oh man, I'm regretting like tagging them in the the tweet about this episode now. I do like project rim job. That's pretty good though. You should have just called it project rim job. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Now please give us a consultant speech. So that yes, yeah, so and then when all of the articles, when all the spinsters started pumping out their articles, it would have been way funnier. <laughs> you definitely would have gotten just the type of people who you want. The, the people, the really who... serious ones. <laughs> they called it Project Rim Job. Now these are my guys. <laughs> Buck would have been right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, uh Kate J said, love new founding. I'll throw twenty dollars a month for the land project. Imagine if all of us did this. Imagine, right. Be right back. I'm gonna go make sure my kids aren't dead. Okay, sounds good. Cooper's being a mommy today, um, because mommy is out. So that's part of why we had to start late, because he had to do he had to do the mommy stuff. Uh so they said that we're looking for early adopters who would seriously consider moving or partnering with us to build the project. The vision is, um, this is something we were just talking about the other day. I think it was on here. might've been in the King Pilled voice chat. I've talked to a few different people about this. The idea that through remote work, um, 
it, remote work has drastically lowered the threshold of what it takes to um, be able to begin living an independent life. The fact that you can now do jobs that pay you well or even extremely well and allow you to live wherever you want means that we no longer have to be as tightly tied to our geography, which means that when people begin taking over and, and, and taking over control and doing shit we don't like in the geographical areas where we are, it strengthens our position because then we don't have no choice. Now we have the choice. I can stay here and I can fight for it because I have a clear idea of how to do that. I have the resources, I have the network, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Or I don't have those things. I'm not someone who, who, can, who has the luxury of fighting for this right now. I need to go somewhere where I can focus on accumulating the capital to then put myself into this battle. Remote work is what has made this possible. It used to be for you to do something like that, you kind of had to be independently wealthy because you either had to be able to afford to fly everywhere you wanted or you had to be able to work on, uh, like you had to be able to make money from a distance in some way. And now it's much easier to make money from a distance. We just have to start taking advantage of it. It says uh, remote, remote work enables a revolution in where people live and how they organize themselves into communities. People are, especially since COVID, proactively seeking communities that align with their values and way of life. The knowledge economy worker can now work and live in a small town, uplifting areas that have struggled with economic depression for decades. This presents a unique and time-limited opportunity to build new types of communities that are conducive to a healthy, natural, and American way of life. We love seeing this happen because this is one of our longer-term goals. We've joked before about building a king-pilled compound, but it's not a joke. It's a very real prospect that we want to build toward. You know, uh, random username, one of the things he likes to talk about is the, uh, what, how would I say this? Um, the, the revolutionary way that AI is going to affect the media industry. Pretty soon within a handful of years, maybe less, handful of months, there is going to exist the capacity for an individual dude who lives in some farmhouse in Indiana to produce movies on the scale of like a, uh, uh, I can't remember the people, the people that do Marvel, like the Marvel scale. Whether you, like, like you're going to be able to just, through these AI technologies, be able to generate basically true to life movies. You could, you could even use the likeness of individual actors and not actually have the actors or just create your new action stars or whomever. You're going to have the invention of fictional personalities. Just like when someone writes a book, they write a book and they have the words on the page and you read the book and you picture the, the character in your mind while you're reading the book. Well, it's, it's going to be that same type of thing, except now the character isn't just being presented to you in the form of little pattern scratches on a paper. It's going to be presented to you as an actual visual thing that you can watch. But it won't take massive, expansive uh, teams and, you know, the ability to, like, reserve an entire city block for a few days or whatever. Like, it's not going to require all those things. You can just do it all digitally, and a guy can live in a farmhouse and raise his bees and his cattle and be a movie production studio at the same time. That's like the... the uh, 
I don't know, like pinnacle of the possibilities. But there's all kinds of possibilities on the way on down from there that are equally transformative. So one great opportunity, I think, is to enter into these rural communities. Look for these old industry towns that have kind of died off in the Midwest or out, out in the, the, the further west, Appalachia, a lot of these different places. You can actually, like, like say you had 50 families who were all uh, wealthy remote workers. And by that, by wealthy, I mean they have enough to pay for everything they need and also begin investing in other things. If you had 50 families like that, who all collectively together relocated to a town, that town could be like, I don't know, 20,000 people. And your 50 families are probably going to own that town. I'm talking like one of these old kind of dying industry towns. And you can, you can basically go start your own, own agriculture, your own uh, 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 commercial production, like whatever, like you can basically begin building a civilization there. This is part of this idea that two bit podcast, two bit podcast. And I talked about, about building civilizational capital. And we're going to keep fleshing out this idea going forward. Again, go to his Substack or go to two bit podcast for the, for the bulk of that conversation. But <clears throat> so what these guys are doing is, is exactly the sort of thing that we would like to do eventually long-term. And the more people that do this, the better. That's one of the great things about this sort of an idea is that for a time limited per, um, uh, frame, it actually doesn't matter how many people do this. It doesn't matter how many different groups want to do something like this. You just each pick your own location. Just go form together with friends and family, whatever, whoever wants to move to that area and go move to that, that area. There's how many thousands or tens of thousands of small towns around the U.S., just, you know, so theoretically, there's that many little like small groups like this that can go out and settle all these areas. Because I think that the next, one of the next big sociological shifts we're going to see, we're already seeing it, and it's only going to accelerate, is all of the high value people leaving the cities and going out into rural areas. Within the next five to 10 years, the cities are going to be like what the Dust Bowl was like during the Great Depression. The Great Depression, you had all the agriculture that was being replaced through industrialization. So the whole industry was shifting. You had universities, you had cars, you had planes. So the cities were, were, were growing out and attracting all of the high value people there, which left the rural areas kind of desolate. We're gonna get the inversion of that, all of the uh, high value people from the cities are going to disperse out into the rural areas and the cities are going to turn into absolute shitholes. Like you think it's bad now, it's going to get way worse. <clears throat> now, what's interesting with these guys is they got on the radar of some grumpy little libs. So I've got... <clears throat> Josh, Joshua Abitoy here is, what's his role here? He's managing director at New Founding. He's the executive director of American Reformer, and he's a, a Claremont Institute Lincoln fellow. So he says, every year, Bill Gates and foreign investors quietly acquire millions of acres of American heartland. Their acquisitions go unnoticed. But when New Founding and USA Ridge announce a modest little real estate development, it's international news. Clearly, we've struck a nerve. 
Since announcing our new effort on January 1st, we've been totally overwhelmed with demand and signups on our waitlist. Announcement below. And there's, they have a YouTube video here called Rural Renaissance, Building an Aligned Community in Appalachia. If you guys want to search for that, you can go watch that. Um, it says, but then the Eye of Sauron turned our way. One of the UK's leading newspapers decided that it was imperative that their readers know all about our seven-digit investments. All hell broke loose. We even made drudge, an honor, and to be quite honest, a bucket list item for me. So uh, the, I believe it was The Guardian. Here's their, their uh, uh, initial title. Revealed. Far-right figures try to create white nationalist haven in Kentucky. Venture fund and real estate startup linked to far-right groups promote residential development as community for right-wingers. Dun-dun-dun. So, and then, of course, James Lindsay shit his little baby boy britches all over the whole thing. Um, so this, <laughs> this is the guy who wrote this article. And when I sent this picture to you earlier, Cooper, what did you say he looked like? Uh, like if Steven Crowder ate a Tide Pod. (laughs) (laughs) This guy does, this guy's physiognomy does not (laughs) advertise like high level thinker, um, uh, you know, has a grasp of intuition, you know, and anything like that. This guy is basically a grug brain, um, and not in a good way. His name's Jason Wilson. So he, he wrote this article, and um, I'm not going to go through and read all of these things, but they, they changed it from white nationalist to Christian nationalist, which he said was a wise choice on their part, legally speaking. Um, the, let me get to the, the thrust of their complaint about this. Basically, they don't even understand how real estate development works. And their, their big gripe is this here. So they say, the pricing of lots on both developments appears to lock in significant profits for the joint venture if the land sells at asking price. At the Bend development, where one half of the land's original 170-acre 1.03 million lot will be divided into 50 small lots, the sellers will collect 2.05 million if buyers meet the asking prices currently on the website. Can you believe that? These, these property developers are going to make money on their investment. Can you believe it? By comparing county land records to pricing on the Ridge Runner website, The Guardian determined that while the company paid around $6,011 an acre, buyers will pay up to the equivalent of $88,500 an acre for an unimproved lot, or up to 14 times the rate HRP paid. Can you believe it? At the Long Hollow development, sellers will collect a total of at least $2.27 million. On 550 acres of land, they paid $900,000 for... They paid $900,000... The grammar in this sentence is staggering. Sellers will collect a total of at least $2.27 million on 550 acres of land they paid $900,000 for 460 acres of. So they paid $900,000 for 460 acres, and they will collect a total of $2.27 million on 550 acres. Okay, anyways. So basically, the people who want to move here to, for this, this, and into this um, aligned community are going to have to pay more for the subdivided plots than the people paid for the entire lot. That, yeah, that's how development works. Right, right. It's, it's, I said that actually improperly. They're going to pay. So they, they bought the, the, the large plot. They subdivided mm-hmm. it, and they're selling each of those subdivisions for a profit so that... 
collectively, when they've sold the whole thing, they will have made more money than the whole thing cost them. Third and most hilariously, Mr. Wilson is extremely concerned that we are not complying with federal law like the Fair Housing Act. Because this is what the guy says. Heidi Barrick, co-founder and chief strategy officer of the Global Project Against Hate and Extremism, said the developments raised questions about just who would move there. Is there going to be something that are along? Oh, my God. Is there going to be something that are along the lines of like a version of a modern day racial covenant <laughs> related to this land? How are you going to impose political views on your buyers? What are the litmus tests going to be? Oh, wow. So these these conservative Christians who want to buy remote land and build their own little community on it. This woman here, and I think it's a woman, is very concerned that those people she absolutely hates are going to get ripped off by these people that she absolutely hates. It's very clear that this is literally just a um, an exercise in people who think they have power going after someone for the sheer sake of bullying them. The Federal Civil Rights Act prohibits discrimination on the base of race, color, religion, national origin, and other categories in the sale of housing. The Guardian asked Abitoy via email whether he reserved the right to deny prospective purchasers of land intended for the aligned community, and on what basis? He did not respond. So they asked him, do you reserve the right to choose who you sell this to? So are you going to um, like exercise any sort of discretion in selling this? Or are you just going to sell it? And what, what basis are you going to use that for? So they're genning up the, the pretext for pursuing them legally to try to squash them legally. Most interestingly is this thing is published in The Guardian. It's published in the UK. I don't know why that is. I'd be curious if any of you guys have any suspicions, like why it is that they would, uh, um, like why, why would the UK be the first outlet that goes after them for this? I genuinely haven't the foggiest idea. It seems very odd to me. It's not even like a local organization talking about it. It's not CNN. It's the Guardian, which seems it seems weird enough that there must be a reason for it. He said that he uh, uh, has no obligation to answer. When did you stop beating your wife? Style questions. Um. Now here's here is one of the reasons why this is a white pill. As a consequence of this, this whole issue, the, this this article being written and people making a big stink about it. Barbara Streisand affected the hell out of them. Barbara Streisand affected. Streisand affected the hell out of them. So they just got a whole bunch of, of, of free publicity. I mean, honestly, if I was starting a project like this and I wanted a bunch of free publicity, what I would probably do is I would like submit an anonymous tip to uh, some Spencer. some retarded lib journalist and be like, they'd be like, oh, I got my big story. <laughs> and they go publish the story. Um, and everyone would go, ah, pitchforks. And then everyone <laughs> that I wanted to be aware of it would be like, oh, hey, look at that. Interesting. I want to go see what this is. But it's like the best free publicity that you can get. Barbara Streisand. Uh-huh. 
I'm going to start calling it the Barbra Streisand effect. Like that's just what it's called now. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the, uh, what is it? Trey Daniels says the UK has a vested interest in America as, the, as a key vector of the regime. Yeah, that's true. But you know, why, why would, why would that be the first outlet that would pick up something like this? Now, to be clear, I'm not saying that these guys are the ones who did this intentionally as a, as a, as a plot. I think I, I'd be pretty shocked. Um, what I'm highlighting is that this is exactly like, this is a white pill. These people come after you. It raises your profile. You get more people on your side. You, maybe you get more people against you, but that doesn't matter because the people against you are by definition weaker than you. This is the mentality that our guys need. Like, the, the, like look how unimpressive this person is. The dude can barely write. He got a job with The Guardian. That's how pathetic he is. That's what he thinks is doing something productive with his life. And that's the best that he can do. The standard that to, to qualify to be a writer for an outlet like The Guardian is very low. It's a very unimpressive position for very unimpressive people. So if somebody from The Guardian is coming after you, what that means is that you have weak enemies. Now I can hear the, the, the black pills coming back. The people who might object that I'm saying that, the, that our enemies are weak because this guy may be weak, but this guy can get the, the feds on your back and the feds aren't weak. That's precisely what I'm challenging. The feds are weak. They're very weak and getting weaker. The evidence for this is all over the place. We were just talking about Jamie Dimon and Steven Schwartzman and Boris Johnson coming out and endorsing Trump. This, these are like the clearest counter signals to the Biden regime that you could possibly have. Because they're not just saying the Trump things. They're literally naming Trump. It would be very easy if they were like, oh, we don't like some of these policies that you're doing. Let's, eh, let's kind of back it off a little bit, but we're also very ardently opposed to Trump. And no, they're saying Trump was right. We need to back off on the anti-Trump sentiment. We can't take another four years of Biden. These are all clear signals of support for Trump. And that's just from the the old money people, the like real heart of the neocon establishment. I never expected to start seeing something like that any, at any point this year. I didn't think that they would be actually coming out and straight up endorsing him because that, that's an endorsement. I didn't expect to see that. I expected that they were just going to eh, kind of get out of the way. Like if, if, if Trump was to wind up being elected, that it would be because they just shut up and just backed off. But they're actually coming out and straight up endorsing him. I think this is significant. But the problem is that our guys, our little, our circle of the internet, the people who we listen to, there is this profound cynicism that, that, that plagues us. We're jaded. We've been beaten too many times. 
We've gotten our hopes up and had them dashed. The problem is losing hope dooms your society because hope is the currency that will actually carry you forward and provide the basis for the establishment of a new civilization. So anybody who's blackpilling is actively working against that possibility. When, when, when there's a situation like this and you invoke Waco, this is that, that's like the functional equivalent of the guy who drops out of college and says, I'm going to go become an entrepreneur. I'm going to go start a business. And his family is like, like, oh, that's so stupid. Why don't you just get a degree? Go get your degree. Just be disciplined and, 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 and stick to your studies and go get your degree. You're never going to be successful if you don't complete college. It's the same mentality. The way that this slide into complete and total degeneracy, the way that slide will be halted and the way that we will recover our country and begin building a civilization, the only way that will happen is if young men get on board with focusing less on the hurdles in front of us and more on the things that we're going to build regardless of what the hurdles are. This is just part of being an entrepreneur in a, in a basic sense. I mentioned before about like marrying the entrepreneur energy to the, you know, whatever, right-wing dissident, whatever tribe, because that's what they're missing. I had a long conversation with someone this weekend. I don't know if you necessarily know if he wants me to say his name, so I'm not going to say it, but we talked about a lot of this stuff, about a lot about how young right-wing men are obsessed with their own demoralization. They just want to spend all of their time complaining about how bad things are, <clears throat> coming up with reasons why any sort of possible move forward won't be successful, won't work. Here's what that is. This is a guy who's from New Founding. For the audio people, it's a picture of Grima Wormtongue whispering in the ears of King Theoden. He's saying, do not take action. If you do it, it could be used as a trap by our enemies. This is the best fucking tweet I've seen all year. Because there were some really good ones in 2023. This is the best one so far. This is precisely it. When you see our, our guys building something and you immediately begin coming up with all the reasons why it's not going to work rather than thinking of the reason why it not, might not work and then providing a, a way that you could actually overcome that. That's what the hopeful mind does. That's what the optimistic mind does. That's what the masculine mind does. The masculine mind doesn't stare at the problem. It looks beyond the problem and it looks at the solution and finds the solution. Obsessing about the problems is women's work. That's what they're there for. 
They're there to ensure that we see the problems. It's our responsibility to solve the problems, not bitch about them, not look at them and shrink back away from them. Our responsibility is to overcome the problems, no matter what the lot is that we've been given. If everything is, is, is arrayed against us, whoop-de-doo, we're going to win anyways. You have to internalize that mindset that has to drive you. And a really big way to do this is to not scroll the feed and look at videos of children being abused or gangs of, of, of urban scholars pummeling one another or old ladies getting punched in nursing homes. Like, yeah, that stuff exists. If, you, if you're feeling lackadaisical and you need a kick in the pants, sure, go look at something like that. But if you find yourself just sitting there and just scrolling one video after the next and just being like, oh, yeah, man, isn't our country a pile of shit? And that's all that you do. Anytime you see someone building something, trying to make a difference, mobilizing, organizing, you just immediately autistically go into, well, here's all the reasons why that's a bad idea. Here's all the reasons why that's doomed. Then you are just a propagandist for the people you claim are your enemies. That's gunicry. That's why we invented that term. Yep. <clears throat> you are being a gunic when you do that. Don't do that. Take all of that energy and either invest it in yourself or invest it in your brothers. Invest it in your friends, the guys who are doing stuff. If you don't have any friends, go find some and figure out how to make those friendships more productive. And I don't mean that necessarily in as gay of a way as it sounded. We're desperate for masculine energy that's actually creative and positive and productive. We need to build civilizational capital. We don't have a civilization. We need to build one. We need any ally that we can get. I don't give a shit what people think. I, don't, I do not care what people's true beliefs are, and neither should you. Arguments over theory and belief are a peacetime exercise. They're not a wartime concern. Shut up, Siri. Bitch. Bitch. <laughs> so all of that being said, uh, let me see real quick if I'd ask somebody for something. Um, okay, so attorney, so so Ken Paxton, so he didn't he didn't flip the birds like I expected him to. He said the Supreme Court's temporary order allows Biden to continue his illegal effort to aid the foreign invasion of America. The destruction of Texas's border barriers will not help enforce the law or keep American citizens safe. This fight is not over, and I look forward to defending our state's sovereignty. So he didn't flip him the bird, but he also didn't say anything. It, just, it, was, it was just a political statement. There's no substance to it at all. This is a good thing and a bad thing. Now, here's a direct practical instance of precisely what I'm talking about. If you choose to look at this 
and say, oh, it's all over. Oh, these fucking guys just let us down every time. Thanks, Obama. If that's your approach to this, you're weak. You got to sack up, son. Because this story's not over. There's still ways we can win either way it goes forward. If it proceeds with, they're doing basically what I said, just roll over and lay down and, oh, look at that. Man, wouldn't it be nice if we didn't have an executive branch that was out of control? Wouldn't it be nice if we had someone competent running the show? Look at this shit. You guys don't like this. We don't like this. Why are we being forced to put up with this? That's one angle. The other angle is, fuck you. We're going to defend our border. Come and take it. And then dare them to back down. Now, that's the far more metal way to go about it. That would be awesome. That would be cool. And I don't know that we're not necessarily far removed from something like that happening. I think the political will for something like that is probably there. But I don't know 100% sure that it's there. And you don't want to start a fight like that if you don't know you can win that fight. I think right now they could win that fight. I'd be like 90% sure they would win that fight. Maybe 95. But in the odd chance that that's wrong and they don't win that fight, defeat is, is catastrophic. It completely raises the stakes for the next iteration because there will be a next iteration. The, the show is going to go on. The world isn't ending, folks. There is no, like, eject button. There's no, like, it gets as bad as it's going to get and then, we, okay, this is our new reality. It's going to constantly get worse or start getting better. One of the two. Now, there is one key thing that would be different between the starting to get worse and starting to get better. And that would be the political will of people with institutional power. If the people with institutional power have the political will to begin solving the problem, the problem can be solved. As long as the, the, the political will of the people with institutional power is not there to solve the problem, the problem will never be solved. So if you're someone with institutional power, your prescription is very different than someone without. Someone without institutional power, you can do one of two things, and sometimes you can marry those two. You either need to build institutional power, build slash acquire institutional power, or you need to support institutional power. So you need to find the elites whose interests align with yours. Not their beliefs, their interests. I don't give a shit what they believe. What they believe doesn't matter. All that matters is that they want to live in a world that's better than the current one, and you do too, and you broadly agree about approximately what that world would look like. Because it turns out that they actually need you too. The elite class needs po the political will behind the things that it does. Sometimes it can generate that. Oftentimes it can generate that. But when you 
wind up in a situation where you have a clash between elites, which is very much what's happening now. It should be abundantly clear that's what's happening now. As soon as you have a clash between the elites, the people's support begins to matter more and more. There was a really, really interesting conversation that I listened to, and I can't remember if it was before the last episode and if I already talked about it. I have lots of conversations, so sorry if I've mentioned this before. But if you, <clears throat> if you really want to get a clear picture of how, how far things have moved and at what rate they're moving, go listen to the conversation between Curtis Yarvin and Charlie Kirk. I don't care what you think about Curtis Yarvin. I don't care what you think about Charlie Kirk. At least have the self-discipline, the maturity to sit down and listen to them. Recognize which perspectives they're representing, the relative power that backs both of their, their particular perspectives and see how they are aligning and what they're aligning on because it's significant. You're seeing normie conservatism, <clears throat> which like Chuck Dirk is like the, the icon of normie conservatism. He's like the, the, the paradigmatic millennial reflection of boomer conism. And then you have Yarvin, who very clearly represents the perspective of a growing, motivated and wealthy like tech bro elite. When you marry those political forces together, you can do some shit. Particularly if you think about the relative strengths of those two, those two groups of people. With the tech bros, what we have is a bunch of guys whose entire life has been built around startups building companies and figuring out how to maximize efficiency and scale. The organization of large organizations, wading through bureaucracies, dealing with hostile boards, getting into taking over uh, the uh, um, like, like, like competitors, hostile takeovers, all of this sort of thing. Like th this, this has been these guys' lives. And they're also very much in venture capital. You can go ahead and drop out, Cooper, if you want. I got a little bit, a little bit more to go. Okay, our uh, our favorite retard just arrived. Well, which one? I uh, Xavier. Oh, hey, what's up, Xavier? At my house. He's he's over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, go go have fun doing your uh, your your two daddies thing. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna go <laughs> buy some children. <laughs> we'll put you in touch with Dave Rubin. Bye, everybody. Man. Um, so, so you've got uh, <clears throat> these two groups of two two groups of people broadly these these two cabals or whatever you want to call them that are beginning to align. Their interests are very much aligned, and the tech bros in particular are the ones who bring a tremendous amount of capital and a tremendous amount of uh, organizational management expertise. And they particularly appreciate executive authority because all of them are executives. They're also very keyed into, number one, 
opposition to China. Number two, opposition to mass immigration. Because if you run a tech company, it, like exiting out of the industrial economy has drastically reduced the corporate desire for cheap labor. In fact, by importing them, they make them more expensive. If you're if you're a, a tech company, you either want uh, to have if you're if you're actually like shipping, like packaging and shipping stuff, you have like a warehouse. You want that outside the United States. You have an incentive to have that to outsource that labor. If you're um, running a uh, 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 like you need to have like a call center or something like that, you don't want to do that within the United States. The people cost more, and the people coming across the border aren't exactly going to be running call centers. And these guys also live in cities where all of these people are winding up. And there's existing issues there of street shitters. They don't need new street shitters. So this is like a very real and present reality for them. So they have a very strong incentive to start doing something about this. And in particular, their expertise is executive power and how to use it. How to take a beleaguered company, restructure it, and make it run efficiently. They've, they've gone like industry through industry, innovating on all these fronts. And now it's like, finally, the, the thing that needs to be, be reimagined is the governmental structure. Because now government is stepping on our toes in a whole bunch of different ways, and nobody's happy about it. And like, we're trying to go to Mars. We're trying to go to Mars, and you're telling me I need to be like, keeping track of the race of the people I'm hiring. Are you kidding me? A lot of these people, for a while, the political sentiment around this was so, um, like this was the major thing that all the political energy was around. So counter-signaling ESG or counter-signaling DEI was uh, not necessarily great for your career. But increasingly, that's starting to open up. This is one of the values of free speech. This is a free speech is typically like a boomer con talking point, but one of the values of people being like speaking more freely. So you might even say more properly that this is like a value of freed speech, speech that was once not free and has now been freed. Because people, as they get more and more used to hearing particular things, they kind of just care less and less about it. Like the more people say faggot, the more, the less people care about it. They're just like, yeah, oh, whatever. You, it, like as you as you go through this uh, this sort of transition, then people care less and less about these big big issues. So like they've had to go along. I mean, people have observed this that these radical the the, the radical leftist ideologues have had to go through and come up with new things, gener generate new things to get mad about. But the more that this happens, the more transparent it becomes that this is what's happening, and people are just tired and fed up of it with it. And now it's starting to really threaten the people who matter. The people who have wealth, the people who have influence, who haven't necessarily used it to this point. Because it's kind of like as the problem's getting worse, you're like, oh, at what point should I step in? Uh, there's a pretty bad consequence if I step in now. And then it gets to the point where it's like, oh, well, now there's pretty bad consequences if I don't step in now. And then it gets to the point finally where it's like, okay, what, what's going on here? Like, what are we doing? It should be predictable that it's going to get to this point. And now we're seeing the signals that it's getting to this point. So, so Ken Paxton choosing to back down, and, and I don't even know if that's necessarily what he's going to do, but I'm assuming that's what he's going to do now based on his statement, kind of give a nonsense statement. So if he chooses to back down, 
then it's just generating more demand for someone to come in and do something about it. This is what's been so fascinating to me about Vivek Ramaswamy. I'm going to talk about him until people are tired of hearing about it, and then I'm going to keep talking about him. If you really want to see the impact that he has on people, I've got a couple more conversations you should go listen to. They're all going to be, for one reason or another, probably kind of like you're going to have to like stirring up your stomach a little bit to get through them. But they'll give you a really clear idea of the way that, first of all, the way that Vivek affects normies and then the types of points that he's making and the types of things he's focused on and how gifted he is politically. The two conversations or the two people whose conversations I'm referring to here are David Pakman those are going to be the hardest. There's two conversations they had. They're each about 30 minutes, I think. So they're not, you can kind of get through them, but they're cringy. They're very cringy. They're awkward because David Pakman is a, a smarmy, slimy little ghoul and he's doing his smarmy, slimy little ghoul thing. But it's pretty entertaining watching Vivek just like trounce him, essentially, run him around. But then more important is watch how those conversations went down and then go read the comments, especially on the David Pakman show conversations, because this is the people who watch David Pakman. If you, the worse your impression is of David Pakman, the more seeing comments like that should be cheering to you because of what it what it signifies about the mind of increasingly the average person. The other one would be Jordan Peterson. Vivek went and had two long conversations, at least two long conversations with Jordan Peterson. <clears throat> and it's more like having a political candidate that can sit and go like toe to toe with Peterson and get into deep philosophical and typological and, and um, uh, uh, psychological territory, speaking at length about climate and economics and, and, and the political factions and yada, 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 yada. And then there's this relentless focus on the administrative state. <clears throat> so I've made the case on here before already that, that the, 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 the Vivek campaign connection to the tech bro phenomenon, what we've called the PayPal mafia, we've been using the, the existing PayPal mafia term to kind of broadly refer to these guys. The six degrees from Peter Thiel, guys. It's probably more like three degrees from Peter Thiel, honestly. But so you can see that sort of movement swelling. But one of the biggest problems, one of the biggest reasons for, I think, a lot of the cynicism and and um, people just being too afraid to hope, because that's really what it is. It's fear. People are afraid to be hopeful. They're afraid to be optimistic, and it's they're kneecapping themselves. But like the, one of the biggest things that drive people in this direction is watching what happened to Trump. There's all this energy, all this excitement, all this hoopla building up around Trump, and he's elected, and then he just gets neutered, just gets his has his balls in a vice basically the entire time he's in office. But the thing is, when that happened, when Trump when Trump showed up on the scene. And he, and he caused this dramatic response from the regime's immune, immune system, what that did is it revealed what the regime is. 
it would have been it was easy to that point to just kind of shrug and be like yeah whatever deep state you know like conspiracy theorist you know but the reaction of the regime was like it, all of its skeletons stepped out into the light they all came out of their closets and into the light and that freaked a lot of people out and a lot of the people who got freaked out and who've been increasingly getting freaked out and now watching a completely impotent, incompetent, doddering administration typified by the incompetent, doddering head of it, of it, watching them bumbling our way into the complete destruction of the country as a meaningful entity has gotten their attention. And they've learned, many of them have learned from what happened in 2016. Again, these people recognize what it looks like when you have a powerful executive, and they recognize what it looks like when you don't. They know exactly how to identify dysfunctional executive power, which is kind of a, an oxymoron. Like executive power only is when it's functional. When it's, when it's dysfunctional, it by definition is not. There is no more executive. And that's what they're, that's what they're saying. This is what Vivek is, is saying. This is what Yarvin is saying. This is what people like Teal and Musk are saying. If you go through and you look at the, the likes on Twitter of guys like Roloff Botha and David Sachs and Chamath Palpataya, whatever his name is, and there's others too, Keith Raboys. Um, some of them don't have Twitter, so you can't do that. But like, if you go and you look through the guys that do, then you'll see what they're, sen once the what they're sensing, what they're recognizing. And I realize as I'm listening to Vivek that all of his talking points align almost one-to-one -one with Project 2025. I've mentioned it a couple times now, but it's very much worth going and looking at precisely what they're saying and what they're talking about. Because they're accurately diagnosing what happened in 2016 and why Trump wasn't able to do nearly what he wanted to. They're accurately, they're pointing the finger directly at the administrative state. They're calling out the administrative state. Vivek calls it the horizontal managerial class. Specifically, they're not, they're not, they're not speaking in wishy-washy terms or like kind of vague, vagaries about, you know, uh, reforming the FBI or whatever. They're talking about abolishing the FBI, abolishing DHS, abolishing uh, the Department of Education abolishing the CDC, abolishing the FDA. And they're giving detailed plans about how they're going to do it. Now, I'm not saying this means that's what they're going to do. That's what they're going to accomplish. That's what we have to look forward to. What I'm saying is that there is a tremendous amount of institutional power and money backstopping claims that this is what's going to happen. It's like a who's who of... of of uh, uh, like Republican uh, NGOs. Is it likely that many of them are on board with something like this because they want to be able to, ha to hamstring it? Of course, obviously, duh. So what that means is if you don't want to cooperate with those people, then don't try to hamstring it. Start going, going, like all over the place, spread it far and wide, get as many people wound up about it as possible. 
generate the political will that even they can't hamstring it. There's like the saying, you, you uh, uh, shoot for the moon because if you miss, at least you'll land in the stars. It's kind of dumb, but like it, it, it captures a, a, a particular sentiment, which is you don't need to have a goal in mind per se. You just need a trajectory. And if that trajectory winds up falling short of the goal, at least you're going to wind up in a better place than you are today. So if these people are wanting to keep the 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 sort of tech bro PayPal mafia side of things separate from the the um the Republican fundraising heritage foundation yada 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 yada. If they're trying to keep these things sort of separate, I want them I want to mash those motherfuckers together. I want people to rally behind something like this to generate the political will to force through as much of it as possible. You don't have to believe in that. You don't have to believe it's actually possible to get it as far as you can get it. And if you think it's a waste of time, the last thing you should be doing is counter-signaling it. Because counter-signaling it is quite literally actively trying to hamstring it. Like your complaint is, Oh, these are people that are trying to rally up popular sentiment to to um uh to to try to corner it and try to try to try to suffocate it over here. And so your response is let's let's suffocate that sentiment. Do you not recognize the fundamental hypocrisy in this? I know people who are tangentially associated with some of these projects. And these are not like dyed-in-the-wool neocons. I mean, Heritage Foundation are the ones that are doing this, which is associated with Hillsdale College. This is about as good as a conservative NGO sort of thing can get. They're the ones running point on it. And just, just freaking download the documents and read what they're saying. Read what they're, what they're describing. You've got some boomer rhetoric in there. Some, 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 uh, what do you call it? Like, uh, kind of the sort of the barnstorming and literature form, but a lot of it is actually pretty much like sober, like, like nitty gritty descriptions of what each office in the executive branch does. And what they are is they're united behind this novel concept that the president has absolute executive authority over the executive branch. Imagine that. Imagine having a chief executive who is in fact a chief executive. What really clicked for me when I was listening to Yarvin talking to Charlie Kirk <clears throat> was I've been, I hear guys talk about the constitution, you know, it's become kind of like a, like a, a, a really like a boomer talking point. That's like, eh. anytime somebody says, you know, Vivek, I'll hear him say this, he'll say stuff like, uh, you know, the constitution is the greatest governing document that's ever been you know, created in the 1776 era and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Whatever. Like, it's not completely clear to what extent he genuinely believes this and to what extent it's, you know, he's, he's throwing red meat to it, to the, to the base, but listening to Yarvin talking to Charlie Kirk and it, it clicked for me all of a sudden what Yarvin was saying, he was saying the constitution is actually quite brilliant 
we don't need to just throw it out because that's like a big hurdle with the boomer people. Like if you're like, hey, our political solution is we need to throw away the Constitution. Like you're, we're like 50 years away from that ever being even a viable conversation. Maybe it'll happen sooner, but it's not today. Saying we need to throw away the Constitution. I don't give a shit if it's true. I agree with it. Obviously, I agree with it. But in order for something like that to happen, you have to hit a, t- a, a, a like a tipping point of people who would actually consider something like that before anything like that could ever happen. And what Yarvin is saying is you don't need to overthrow the Constitution. That's part of the brilliance in how it was written. That, and I, that I felt it felt really obvious when he said this. Like I was, how did I not think of this before? He's saying the Constitution was written in such a way that you can be really broad in your interpretations of what's constitutional, which is like our complaint with it. Oh, that's why we, we think it's a weak document, but it turns out in the right circumstance, that's a great strength because that means what you can do is basically execute an executive takeover of the power of the federal government while doing it constitutionally, completely within the auspices of the constitution. It's just a matter of just kind of tipping the, 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 the document a little bit and looking at it through the right lens. Because our problem very clearly with the, the, the biggest problem with the, the state of the government today is the administrative state, the deep state, the, 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 the federal bureaucracies, all of these sorts of things. And the way that the legislative branches have kicked off their responsibilities to these unelected bureaucrats. And so these guys both the Project 2025 guys and the, anybody who's associated with Vivek and is endorsing his messaging, messaging, what they're saying is the administrative state is the enemy and we need to go to war with the administrative state. I don't need somebody to want my ideal form of government for me to support them going to war with my biggest enemies. I just want them to destroy my enemies. If they destroy my enemies, great. We'll wind up in a different spot. And once we're in that spot, then we'll reevaluate where we're at. and We'll figure out how to go forward from there. Even if you have to destroy my enemies, even if you destroy my enemies and give me new enemies. Okay. Well, at least they're new enemies. That's better than my existing enemies. And if I can capitalize on these social movements and I can put myself in a position where when something like this happens, however far it carries, I'm able to ride that wave and bring along my family, my friends, other people. Oh, perfect timing. Hi, big guy. We have a, a bad case of the AIDS in the family right now. Hey, dude. Obviously, you don't listen to the show. You want to say hi? Hi. Yeah. Poor Bubba. Uncle Cooper was here a little bit ago, but he left. You feeling okay? Mm-hmm. You look like you don't feel good. You want to say hi to the people? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love you, big guy. Have a good sleep, Come okay? On, Go on, Pete. Oh. <laughs> Eastwood, Uncle Buck says hi. You say hi to Uncle Buck? He's not here, but he just he just sent a message and said hi. Hi, Uncle Buck. You want to say it? Here. Hi, Uncle Buck. 
Okay, one more time. Hi, Uncle Buck. There you go. All right, Bubba. All right, anyways. Um, so that's the, uh, I guess that's the gist of it, is, is I think there's lots of reasons to be optimistic, lots of reasons to be white-pilled. And the group of us in the King Pilled Supporting Listeners group have, have some projects that we are starting to work on. Like I said at the beginning of the show, you can go to uh, uh, Jason Tubit Podcasts uh, Substack and you can look the, look at the conversation that he and I had about uh, building civilizational capital, particularly in the context of live reading through Yarvin's patchwork. We're going to be continuing to do that over the next. It'll probably take us a month or so to get through all of it, maybe a little longer. I don't know. Um, but then we have some other some other projects that we some 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 Project Twenty Twenty Fives of our own, you might say, uh, that. We're going to need help. We've got some people in there already. We've got good guys who, some of the smartest guys I know, maybe some of the smartest retards I know, are in there. And we're working on some of this stuff. And we've got some very specific, tangible plans that we're going to work on. But we're going to need help. We're going to need just even just other minds, other people who are capable of or, or, or interested in, in contributing to projects. And not just the one particular project or the one or two particular ones we're thinking about now, but going forward, we want to continue taking on group projects and figuring out ways that we can, as a group, provide value to other people and use that to build civilizational capital. If we can do that to create the social capital, to create the economic capital, that will eventually translate to political capital. How fast that happens or, or, or how much capital we wind up with is TBD. The more people we get involved, the more people who can come on board and contribute their effort, contribute, whether it's time, whether it's brain power, whether it's money, whether it's other resources, expertise, we're trying to build a team here. <laughs> we're trying to build, a, build our own A-team. So if you want to get involved, come join the King Pilled Discord. Go to subscribestar.com slash kingpilled and sign up. Come join. There is a paywall, and the paywall is there for a reason because we believe in immigration restrictions. Good thing I added that second word on there. We believe in immigration restrictions. We don't just want anybody coming in there. We want people who are committed. We want high-value people who aren't just coming to lurk. It's okay. Like, it's okay to lurk. It's fine, but we prefer you to be involved. We prefer you to be invested. Because... With the tools that are in front of us right now, with the social network that we're beginning to build out, with the expertise and the connections and the vision, there's, I don't know, the, the sky's the limit. There's, there's so many different things that we can do, but we need people who recognize these realities, who see the world the way we do, and who want to contribute their efforts to helping bring about um, whether it's it's even just the formation of a company that can uh, uh, perform some service and provide salaries for people, help them help make them mobile, generate a, 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 a more thriving remote work culture that we can benefit from. Or if it's actually getting involved specifically in like political operative shit. We've got a wide range of visions. We just need people. We need more people to get involved. If you don't have the time, we'll take the money. 
We need, we'll need money. We'll need fundraising. We'll need people who are, who are able to financially support some of these projects. Cause mo because we're all basically just donating our time because we believe in it. So if you don't have the time, but you want to get involved, then we'll take, we'll take money. And we can promise you that that money is going to be put toward good ends. If you're interested, just get in touch. You, there's a multitude of ways you can reach out. My email uh, or my, yeah, my email address is in the, in the, the notes here on YouTube, in the show notes. Um, you can hit me up on Twitter at um, real King pilled. I think it's the same on Instagram. If that's where you prefer to be um, or you can go to subscribestar.com slash King sign up, join, come get into the King pilled discord and we'll start looping you in on some of the stuff that we're working on. I'm going to be hit, hitting up the voice chat here this evening. Um, I just got to eat a little something as soon as I've, uh, um, as soon as I finish the show here. Um, so any of you guys who are in the, the the Discord voice chat, who are in the Discord right now, who are in the live chat right now, this is your warning. I'll be in there. We'll see you guys. Thanks for listening. Toodaloo.